This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by our goal-setting course, Your Best Year Ever. Discover how you can create a better 2021 no matter what. Claim your copy today at bestyearever.me. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And we want to talk about, as we go into 2021, taking care of your team. And this is more important now than ever because your team is the means by which you, as a leader, get things done, right? It's not totally up to you. You've got to employ, motivate, get pointed in the right direction, a team to make that happen. So these are special times, though. I mean, we're still kind of in the thick of the COVID winter. We don't know how this is all going to turn out. Most of us had have had to pivot once, twice, three or four times. And certainly our teammates have been affected by this. So I think it was back April the 1st, you know, April Fool's Day, as it were, that that we decided that we'd been into the pandemic for about two weeks. Yeah. Our team was dragging and we saw the exhaustion on their faces. So why don't you just take yeah. it from there and talk about what we did? Well, we did a number of things. I mean, I, I think probably like a lot of business owners, you know, we, we did look into the faces of our team and realize that... Um, not only had their jobs changed because now we were 100% remote, we've always been some, somewhat remote, you know, greater or lesser percentages over time, but we were now 100% remote. People had their children home, like with no warning, with no real plan. If you remember, it took quite a while to figure out how that was all going to work. Uh, they were scared because there was not very much science yet. We didn't really understand the virus. We didn't know it was safe or not. Not long after that, we went into a lockdown. So the stress that people were under outside of work, not to mention inside of work with the need for pivoting and so forth, was just exponentially greater than anything any of us had ever gone through before. And what we realized was that all of a sudden, the lines between personal and professional had disappeared completely, and that the well-being personally of our team members was also now our responsibility. If, if the business was going to uh, you know, come through this crisis successfully, then we had to care not only for our employees from a professional perspective, but we had to see them from a holistic perspective, because if we didn't address the personal stuff, then we weren't going to be able to get the professional contribution that we needed. This actually would have been true before the pandemic. Right. Right. I mean, you look at the challenge that modern parents face in trying to hold down two working parents, typically, uh, with kids, having to pay for daycare or try to figure all that out. There's there's just a lot to figure out. I can remember back in, in my day when we were raising our kids, raising you girls, and uh, your mom was a stay-at-home mom, yep. and it still felt it still enormously hard. difficult. If she'd yeah. had a career outside of the home, I don't know how we would have fared. But add on to that, COVID, the economy, everything else, yep. you know, it's just it just seemed like an impossible task. Yeah, well, and of course, people are dealing with incredible uncertainty. So not only are all these stressors out there, but the, but the main stressor is the uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen. It feels like the bottom's going to drop out. And what you see in uh, humans is we don't do real well with uncertainty for extended periods of time, you know? And so the the mounting stress day after day with all the demands on top of it was just a lot. So we decided that we were going to move to a six-hour workday instead of an eight-hour workday as an experiment to just yeah. see if that would give people a little bit more time to tend, you know, to the little people that were under their feet. <laughs> 
and all the challenges that, that the pandemic was presenting to them. Yep. And so we said, let's just try this for a week. And of course, we're the people that, that teach in Free to Focus how to achieve more by doing less. That's right. So we said, could we keep our productivity up and work six hours a day rather than eight hours a day? Yeah. And by the way, we didn't dock people for the pay. We were still paying them for a full day. Nothing was changing about their compensation whatsoever, nor were we going to let up on the goals or the promotions that we had planned. We wanted to say, okay, could we maybe be smart enough to figure out how we could achieve more by doing less? So we tried it as a one-week experiment. Yeah. So we decided to keep it after that week. In fact, ultimately, we decided to keep it permanently, although we're still in the beta phase of, uh, you know, of implementation because it does take some time to figure out how to do all the optimization and, and innovation that's necessary to make that work. But overall, it has been um, a great thing for our team and something that everybody was really excited about us keeping. And the reason is, is that the the while the initial stress of the pandemic has waned somewhat, I mean, the uncertainty is, is somewhat less, the understanding of the situation is better, you know, those kinds of things. What people have come to appreciate now more than ever is that their personal lives are demanding and also they want to have a life outside of work, you know? And so that's part of what this makes possible for them is to really care for their health, their most important relationships, and their outside priorities in a way that, um, you know, if they were working 40 hours a week or 50 or 60 or 70 hours a week, like happens at a lot of companies, that those things would be really compromised, you know? And I think, you know, regardless of whether that sounds like something you want to consider, and that may sound really unrealistic to you, depending on what your circumstances are, the point is not so much the six hours. The point is that, we have to address the ongoing stress that people are experiencing and help to compensate for it in some way. Like how as a business can we adjust to make room for people's humanity? Because I think that's really what's happening right now. You know, I think we need to talk about what's the business benefit of taking care of your team. Because, right. you know, certainly everybody can understand sort of the altruistic motivation to take care of other people, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Sure. But beyond that, there's actually a business case for this. So yeah. if, if you had to kind of throw on the table a couple of reasons, and I've got a couple I'm thinking of too, where would you start? What's a big benefit of, of taking care of your team, particularly during during times like these? Well, I mean, I, I think the, the most obvious one is avoiding burnout. You know, I, th I think the mental demands that people are experiencing personally, plus the constant need to innovate, to pivot. I mean, we're still in that, right? So many of us have, have made ongoing pivots in our business, and those are probably not done yet. They're probably going to continue well into this new year that um, we need people's best thinking. You know, we can't have people mentally fried, physically exhausted, emotionally tapped. That really is not a winning battle. It's certainly not a long game. You know, I think all of us at the very beginning, you know, in the first couple of weeks or maybe in the first couple of months of the pandemic, we just hit the gas hard, you know, but unfortunately you get to the end of that pretty fast. The adrenaline burns out, uh, you know, people get to the end of themselves and it's just not a long-term strategy. So then the question is, what does it look like to play this game as a long game? And I think avoiding burnout is is a big business case for looking for ways to incorporate more margin um, into your company culture. 
I think the other is around contribution. You know, now more than ever, we need people's best contribution. We need their best thinking. We need their greatest creativity. We need their out-of-the-box solutions. And the only way people can contribute at that level in the midst of just, you know, unfathomable stress is if they're rested. And you're not going to get people's best thinking. Again, outside of that initial burst of adrenaline, you're just not going to get that when people are tired. So to me, my reason for wanting to do this with our employees is because I want their best contribution. And that's why we're going to do it, you know, on an ongoing basis. While this is not going to be just a a triage strategy, this is going to become part of our company culture is because I'm always interested in contribution. That's always my top priority. Well, and I think one of the things we realized is that as leaders, we have to go first. And if we initiate taking care of other people, if you take care of the people that are working for you, you know, they will take care of you. And from a business perspective, and I think we've seen that in spades, you know, we, we have a very aggressive benefits program in our culture, not only working six hours a day, but we give people a paid 30 day sabbatical every three uh, years. Uh, we pay for a hundred percent of their health care. You know, we have unlimited PTO paid time off and all of that's done is created an engaged culture. And in fact, we, we recently, and not to brag, but just to, you know, the proof is in the pudding. You know, we were named to Inc. 5000's best places to work, you know, in, in the U.S. And we had like a 97% engagement rate, yep, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, engagement is kind of the holy grail of people in corporate America. They want an engaged workforce yeah. because I can't remember what the average was. Somebody can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but it's like, you know, 29% of employees are engaged. Right. It's awful. Which, which means you have people that are showing up and just going through the motions, but are not really engaged in the mission, the vision, the work of the company and trying to make it better. So for us to have 97%, you know, is just extraordinary. But again, I think if you want that kind of result, if you want that kind of engagement as a leader, you have to go first and you have to take care of the people that you depend upon to bring about your goals, to accomplish the work, to do what you do. You know, a few other things that we've done that are, you know, maybe less glamorous, they're not going to show up on our careers page, for example. We have subsidized counseling services for people, you know, when employees come to us and they need some help in that area and we want to really encourage people to take charge of their mental health, um, you know, that we are willing to uh, help people with that. We have uh, sent meals to people who've been sick with COVID. We have, um, you know, organized kind of culture connection events virtually for our team, you know, which is a real challenge to try to figure out how do you keep people connected when they can't be together in person. Um, But, you know, the reason that we're doing those things is, again, because we're looking at the whole person. We want them to feel like we care, that we don't just care about their productive output, that we care about them as people that we're invested in them. And, you know, what we get in return for that is we get retention. We get the ability to recruit almost anybody we want. It's amazing. You know, when we have uh, new positions posted, we get hundreds and hundreds of applications. It's actually kind of a problem <laughs> to, to go through those. But that's because our culture is extraordinary. And And, uh, you know, it's easy to kind of skimp on these things. It's easy to think, well, you know, nobody really cares if the company sends them, you know, a meal from Tzatziki's when they're home, uh, you know, with COVID. But they do because we all care when people care about us. And so uh, I think this is well worth our time and effort to prioritize in ways big and small in our companies always, but especially right now. Well, people say all the time, you know, hey, our company's a family. 
Right. But what does that really mean? I mean, if you're going to say that, you kind of got to back it up with your actions and that makes taking care of one another, you know, and I don't, I don't think that's actually a helpful uh, metaphor, but I'm saying if you're going to use it, I think you got to kind of back it up with your actions. I want to say to people listening to this, we're not bragging no. about our culture. What we're trying to do is to show what's possible because any of you can do this, but got to ask a question. I'm going to be the devil's advocate. Okay. Megan, here's what, I, here's what I ask you. What if somebody says, I don't have the time or the resources to be providing, you know, extra time off, social time, company retreats, all the stuff you guys are talking about. I need my people working. Yeah. What would you say? Well, first of all, I would say we all need our people working. So there's no scenario in which if you have a successful business or you're trying to have a successful business that you can have people not working, you know. Um, And I think this can look a lot of different ways, uh, depending on your context. You may not be in a position to provide unlimited PTO or to provide, um, you know, sabbaticals or things like that. Those could be goals that you could work up to potentially. But I'll tell you this. The only reason we're able to continue doing these things is because they make sense financially and from a business perspective. If they didn't, you know, we wouldn't be able to do it. Obviously, our business has to continue. And so we have found that the return on investment on these things is huge. Also, I would say you don't have time not to attend to the well-being of your team. That would be short-sighted. You know, you may be able to ignore those things for a period of time, uh, but you can't ignore them for very long. And while you may not be able to do some of the things that we're doing, those may just be um, aspirational for you right now, um, caring costs nothing. And I think people know when you care. They know when you uh, call them up and you ask them how they're doing. You take the time to just check in. You know, you're not always in a hurry. You don't let your relationships become transactional because, uh, you know, you remember uh, who somebody's kids are. You know, you ask about the kids. You ask about their spouse. You ask about uh, what's going on in their life. And I think that doesn't cost anything. And it will go it will go a long way um, to developing that kind of trust, that kind of culture that we're talking about. And the benefits are an added bonus. They're a way of um, kind of further stamping your culture with these moments of trust and investment in them. But you don't have to do that. Um, but you do have to lead with heart. And I think one of the things that we have seen, this has been reported in all the major publications um, that cover leadership, is that leading with heart right now with a level of transparency, with care, is absolutely mission critical for coming through um, what we've been through for the last year or so um, successfully. So good. Well, I'm thinking even of something like unlimited PTO, you know, for somebody to say, well, I couldn't possibly afford that. You know what? Honestly, it hasn't cost us a thing. Right. So it's just a reframing of what people were already doing. So I had a friend, a former client of ours, David DeWolf, who was practicing unlimited PTO in his company. And he had like, I think over 700 employees. And so we thought that would be a good idea because you and I got together and said, how could we create a menu of benefits that would make our company so attractive that the best people in the world would be begging to come work for us? Mm -hmm. And so you and I thought of that as, you know, how do we design kind of a a careers page that is so attractive that that it works like a sales page? It pre-sells people before they ever get to us and apply for a job. And so one of the things we said was unlimited PTO. And then we scared ourselves. We said, well, yeah, but what if people take advantage of that? And so I called David and I said, hey, has anybody ever abused this? And he said, no, not once. So I reported that back to you. We decided we're going to go for it. And we did it. Now, we've been doing unlimited PTO now for about four years. Mm-hmm. 
I can say with full transparency, we've never had a single person abuse it. Yeah. In fact, we still have to beg people, some people, to take time off, right? And on average, people take about three weeks off, which was kind of what it was before when we had three-week vacation policy. So it's about the same as it was before. But here's the difference. It treats people as grown-ups. Right. And it gives them a sense of autonomy, which is incredibly important for people to feel fulfilled and for you to retain your top talent. They can't feel like, you know, they're in some rigid, overregulated environment where there's all this red tape and they don't have any freedom. That's what causes people to want to leave. So just build that freedom into your system. It's a it's a practical way to take care of people that doesn't really cost you. And a lot of the things that we're talking about here don't really have a cost. I would say that going from an eight-hour workday to a six-hour workday cost us nothing. You know why? Because we measure productivity based on output, not on the time spent in the seat. Right. And this is like one of the worst mistakes that uh, inexperienced or old school, unproductive managers do. They try to measure productivity by how much time people are checked in, you know? And I get that if you're paying people by the hour, you know, there's time clocks and all there's that, there's all that kind of stuff. I don't think it's a very effective way to work. I would rather just pay people for the output that I hired them to produce. And I don't care how long it takes them. If it takes them two hours or if it takes them six hours, I just want the output. I think that's absolutely right. I think that when you focus on output, that's where you get the kind of innovation that you need to do something like a six-hour workday. You know, we just had a whole day team training last week on this, um, all about how can we continue to make progress toward the six-hour workday for every single person on our team? Because there's a couple teams who it's a it's a little bit counterintuitive for. You know, our sales team, our finance team have struggled with it a little more than others. And so we're really working together to figure out what are the solutions for those folks. And I think a lot of it comes down to thinking thinking about what are the outcomes and then how can we achieve those outcomes by different means or more efficient means so that it can become a reality for everybody. And what I love about what I'm seeing happening on our team is that everybody's working together to figure this out. And the solutions that are working, for example, for our product team or for our marketing team can inform um, you know, what we can help the sales team and the finance team with. So everybody gets to help everybody, which I love. So, Dad, what do you think are some good questions for leaders to ask themselves as they try to become uh, leaders who are really focused on taking care of their teams during this time? Great. Okay, again, I want to just state our goals. We want a, we want a mechanism that enables us to recruit the best people, that enables us to retain those people, and to see those people grow and flourish and be fully engaged in our companies during the time that they're with us. Right. So here's some of the questions you could ask as you think about how to care for your team. First of all, what is my team worried about? Yeah, this, this is requires, a big one. It is. And it requires empathy and it requires uh, paying attention. It requires awareness of how other people are feeling. Right. Yep. Here's another one. How am I providing opportunities to feel connected? This is really important in the pandemic because people feel disconnected. I feel disconnected, you know, and Zoom is about all we've got, but there are creative ways that you can do it if you just give yourself an opportunity to think about it. Here's another one. What am I doing as the leader to prevent burnout? Do I realize that's a real possibility? Do I understand the signs or recognize the, the signs of it? How am I protecting my team's 
physical safety? You know, in the world of pandemics, that's a very practical, important question. Here's another one. What are questions people are wondering but not asking? I think that's a really important one. I think that's a really important one too, because so often there are, there's a kind of a whole narrative or there's a whole conversation in the background that as leaders we're unaware of. And we really need to take control of that narrative. We need to answer people's questions so they can stay focused on their most important work. A great way to do this is just to ask your direct reports to help you get some intelligence, you know, to have candid conversations with their teams and then report back to you what they're hearing. This is particularly true in the early days of the pandemic around whether or not there are going to be layoffs. You know, I'm sure many companies are still facing that. And if people are scared, they cannot be focused and effective. So if there's anything in your culture where uh, or your company where there's an element of fear that people may have, you really need to address that head on and be as honest as you can so that people can kind of have the relief of certainty and get back to work. Well, and I think even if you don't know, you certainly don't want to box yourself or paint yourself into a corner, but just be honest with that because the version in their head is far worse than probably the reality. Right. So one of the things we said at the beginning of the pandemic is we said, look, based on what we know right now, we don't anticipate layoffs. We can't promise that because we're kind of in uncharted territory. We're just trying to be honest with you. But right now, we have not had any conversation among the executive team about layoffs. So we told them what we knew when we knew it. And I think what that did was created trust. Could we give them absolute assurance? No. And it would be crazy to do that because if for some reason things had taken a further downturn and we had had to do layoffs, then we would be judged not by the fact that we did them, but against the commitment that we had made yeah. not to do them. It's a really good so point. There, it would have been an integrity thing. Yep. So, so we didn't do that. Here's another question. What do my people need to feel like they're succeeding at their jobs? Hmm. And in what areas is encouragement in short supply? Yep. Yep. You know, you can never go wrong by encouraging people, by appreciating people, by noticing what they're doing. And people soak that up in times like these more than ever because they need to feel like they're making a contribution. That's right. And you know what? Encouragement is absolutely free, whether that's writing a note, whether that's leaving someone a text message or a voicemail or, you know, publicly praising them in Slack uh, or something like that. You know, this is totally free and people need to feel like they're winning especially if there's a fair amount of losing kind of going around. So we've been talking about the importance of caring for your team. And I hope that what we've shared with you today will inspire you, give you some new ideas. I hope we've convinced you that it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It really requires you to just have the intention and then start taking action against it. Megan, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah. I just want to encourage you guys to just take this bull by the horns, you know, like lean into your heart as a leader. Don't be afraid to share that with people. Remember that your employees or your team members or your direct reports are human, you know, that they have a life outside of work with all kinds of challenges and stressors and problems. They have all those same things inside of work. And, you know, when you express your care, whether that's through big things or small things, it goes such a long way in terms of building trust and developing a culture where not only are you doing that with your team, but they're doing that with each other. And that's when you really have something special. Okay. Well, thank you, Megan, for joining me here today. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, lead to win.
think it was maybe April the 1st. Sounds like, you know, uh, what do they call that? Time travel? No, April the 1st. Oh, April Fool's. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand what you were trying to do there. Now I'm with you. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by our goal-setting course, Your Best Year Ever. Discover how you can create a better 2021 no matter what. Claim your copy today at bestyearever.me.